0: Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on
1: KillerPodcast.com. The views and opinions of this show are directly those of the hosts and its guests. It does not reflect the opinions of its affiliates or its sponsors.
0: Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens... When a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? (laughs) Something epic. This is per true.
1: What's going on ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin.
0: And I'm Eric.
1: And tonight we've got a very awesome guest on with us. We're going to be talking to Katrina Rasbold about her book, Uncrossing, Identify, Cleanse, and Heal from Hexes, Curses, and Psychic Attacks. Katrina is the author of 27 books on various aspects of the magical arts. She also pens the popular fictional series, The Seven Sisters of Avalon, as well as other fiction and nonfiction works. Born in the hills of Kentucky and raised in folk magic, uh, Katrina studied the magical arts all over the world before settling in her current home in the remote mountains of California. She lectured at Pantheacon in San Jose, sacramental pagan pride and pangaya festival in fair oaks california and currently offers online and in-person classes she and her husband eric are co-creators of the cusp, cusp spiritual path and are co-authors of the bio universal energy series their first book, Energy Magic, spent several weeks on the Amazon bestseller list in the category of Neo-Paganism upon its release in 2013. Eric and Katrina own Crossroads Metaphys- Metaphysical Store in Shingles- Shingle Springs, California, Sorry, where they offer their handmade magical products and services such as spellcasting, healing, and cleansing. And without further ado, we're going to go to the line with Katrina. Katrina, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How's it going?
2: going great getting ready for that holiday how
1: about you uh, about the same i think eric and i are <laughs> both ready uh, you know for those of you that don't know we're recording the day before thanksgiving so it's that time of year guys it's you know moving pretty quick and then it's into december and all of those festivities as well um so we got you on to talk about your book uncrossing which Is interesting because, you know, as I read the book, I'm like, okay, well, now I understand why it's labeled or titled Uncrossing. Um, (laughs) But before we get into that, um, I wanted you to tell the folks at home why you decided to write this book.
2: I really decided to write the book because it's my everyday life. What I do five days a week is take crossings and the effects of psychic attacks off of people um through energy work and i was really shocked at how uneducated people are about the need for this kind of hygiene how to protect yourself how to take care of yourself when it comes to the energies you allow into your energetic system and how they affect you and so i thought that it would be good to get that information out there
1: for sure
0: yeah so now i mean before we get real deep into this book. Um, I guess the big question is, how do you know or how do you determine when somebody has been attacked psychically?
2: The interesting point is that by the time people get to me, most people have been attacked psychically. It's not something we escape. You know, honestly, when someone calls you a name and it makes you feel a certain way, you don't want to feel, that's a form of psychic attack. It has shifted your energy in some regard and the way that i define psychic attack is when someone's energy intrudes on another person's energy in a way that affects their quality of life and so there are lots of things that can fall into that umbrella it changes you energetically so the way that i can tell is that they're walking and words are coming out of their mouth and they're interacting with other people this means you've been out there you've been in the world And you've encountered some people probably that have not been very happy with you or have made you feel a way that you don't want to feel. So when I do an initial clean on somebody, I know I'm going to find a lot of stuff in there because they've probably never had a clean before. So most people are suffering from psychic attack, even if a person didn't stir the cauldron, poke the doll and do an actual spell to harm them.
0: Okay.
1: So more times than not, it's, more so unintentional than intentional?
2: I think most often it is. Now, that being said, I started off my exploration of energy work probably 40 years ago now. And at that time, I really believed people would not aggressively harm somebody with their energy, that they wouldn't seek to do that. And people just, that's just not true. People do that all the time. So we do have those intentional ones as well. I would say maybe three out of 10 have some. Okay. somebody has something that they intentionally sought out to create harm to them doing energy work.
1: Okay. <clears throat>
0: well now, so when it comes to just psychic attacks in general, I mean, we, we know there's various types of of psychic attacks out there and that can be as simple as like you said this could be just a bad vibe that somebody mm-hmm. has kind of put out there there could be uh, it could be via words or actions it could be something even like we've talked about in the past or psychic vampires who purposely uh drain the aura of somebody or the energy uh, now is there a difference like depending on the type of drain energy drain or what's causing it are there certain like I guess, certain tools that you use that have to be used for a specific energy drain, or does it really, is it kind of very broad?
2: We, we mostly treat it the same way, regardless yeah. of where it came from, but I'm going to be doing additional work if if there's been a more cataclysmic effect on somebody. For instance, we get some people in, and the primary cleansing that I'm doing is an egg cleansing. And when I look at the egg, when I break it into the blessed water after I've worked on the person, that's diagnostic as well as curative. I'm gonna be looking to see what was wrong with this person 10 minutes ago when they walked in the door. Now, some of the stuff I can get intuitively when I'm moving their energy around and working on them specifically, the majority of the diagnostic impact is going to come with the egg. And so that's going to tell me if I need to do additional work on this person. The most common place where I have to do extra work is when someone has had a trauma that's so extreme that part of their spirit stayed behind at the place of trauma. So they're not an intact spirit or an intact soul. And then I've got to go back And, you know, play Easter egg hunt and find the rest of them and kind of cram it back into their, their spirit so that they're intact again. And there's a certain formation of the egg that shows up to say, Hey, you know, we're missing some parts. This person's not actually completely here. And that happens more often than you would think. We kind of look at it as dissociative identity or something that extreme. And it's not that it's simply that part of them held on to that past trauma in a really big way so that they're not completely focused and engaged. Now, a part of them is still processing that trauma. And so we have to get them back together. So that might be an example of how the egg would show me we need more going on here than just a simple healing.
0: Okay.
1: So I'm assuming the most common thing you come across is people not protecting themselves at all. Um, but for those that are trying to actively protect themselves, um, is there any common things that they're doing wrong that still you still end up with that psychic attack doing damage?
2: I hope you have time for extra interviews because, boy, is that my favorite, favorite <laughs> subject there. Yes, I'm a Virgo. I can tell people exactly what they're doing wrong. No problem at all. Uh, from what I'm seeing, there's two things. Number one, on an aggressive um, offensive standpoint, People need to be responsible for their energy and what they're putting out there. People act like they are somehow at the whim of their emotions, that they can't control how they respond to a situation. And that is a complete degradation of your own power to allow yourself to be controlled by external circumstances. That doesn't mean you're not going to get sad when something happens that's bad or that you're not going to get angry when someone offends you. It means you're responsible for how you manifest that. And so out there in the world, when we're looking at somebody who's having a rage attack because somebody cut them off on the freeway, they're sending A ridiculous amount of negative energy towards somebody they don't know, they don't know the circumstances, they don't know what's going on, but they're impacting another person. So from an offensive standpoint, absolutely get in charge of your emotions and be accountable for how you are in the world. The other side on the defensive place is be responsible for who you bring into your world. Who are you giving your energy to? We all have those people that we're talking to them for half an hour. We walk away feeling like we just ran a marathon. We're exhausted. We feel depleted. We don't even know why we hang out with this person. And yet we do time and time again. So be responsible for the people that are affecting your energy in a negative way. And the fact that you likely brought them into your life. There's shielding that you can do, visualizations. Uh, When I'm in Walmart, I'm rolling around in a hamster ball, man. Nobody gets to me. Nobody sees me. Even people that know me better not talk to me because I'm getting out of there. You know, there's different ways to protect yourself. But the most aggressive way is to be really cautious about who you bring into your world. So just stay at
1: home and do nothing with anybody ever.
2: No, just be around good people. There's good people out there. You know, I talked about the people that you you run into that you feel drained and uncomfortable. There's people you're around that you walk away feeling like you're on top of the world. How can I get more of that? How can I feel like that all the time? What special magic do you have to make me feel like I can do anything? And you need just a whole crowd of those people. You need to get a Mm -hmm. lot of those people around you. And you can do that. I mean, I'm 60. It took me probably... 50, 55 years to get to the point that I didn't feel like I had to be friends with everybody. You know, I always wanted that attention. I always wanted that companionship. And finally, I got to a place where I just said, you know, I'd rather be alone on my own than be around people that make me feel crappy. So once I started taking responsibility for who was in my world, I realized how many amazing people there are are out there that I want in my world. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the the hardest part about that is, you know, when you're when you're around people who don't realize that they're giving off negative energy. Uh, like I have a couple of coworkers who, by no means, are negative people per se, but they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk mm-hmm. while you're trying to work and you can't get the work done, and that becomes frustrating. And by the time it's all done and they leave, I'm like, I just want to go home. Yeah, where'd my day go? Right. Yeah, um, Colin
2: Robinson, the energy vampire, just left my, <laughs> left my yeah. cubicle here. Right. <laughs> so yeah. what would be the effect if you were to say, and I already know the answer to this, so it's, it's it's test. If you were to say, I appreciate what you're telling me right now, but I've really got all this work I really need to do.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean. Wouldn't go well, would we, it? No, it wouldn't. You know, <laughs> and, and there's it's like. <laughs> So I've done it before, especially to this one particular person. I've done it like two or three times. Like, yeah, yeah, we gotta we gotta do this and gotta do that. You're trying to interrupt them. And he just won't have it. It's like everything I say <laughs> is just nope, that yeah. doesn't exist. I didn't hear that.
2: And that that in a way is is a form of abuse itself. It's you're gonna sit here and listen to me until I'm done talking. Mm-hmm. Because I say so. And mm-hmm. when you really get into the nuts and bolts of that, that's a pretty arrogant thing. Now they probably, as you were saying, Eric, they don't they don't mean to be horrible people. Right. But they're keeping you from being your best self. And you know, it's it's interesting how aggressive you can get with something like that because they come up, oh, let me just tell you about yada, and they're they're going off with it. If you put your hand up in the air and you say, you know what, I'm gonna stop you right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the bad guy.
2: Thanks for the story, but I've got to do this work. <laughs> you know, before they sit down at the desk, Eric is going to be labeled the office jerk if he yep. isn't already. You know, <laughs> did you see what he did to Clarence? He really shut him down. But there's going to be a part of other people that are applauding, that are saying, "Wow, I got to do that sometimes." Right. But it's hard. It's hard to be uh, the protector of those boundaries so that you can can prosper. So I, I feel you. That's a tough one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always have people coming to me, not necessarily at work as a whole, coming to me with their problems. And and they don't do it on purpose. They just all of a sudden just start spewing it out. Um, happens with my wife, too. Um, and, and it's it's interesting because literally you, you don't want to cut those people off because, you know, they obviously need event but at the same time there are ways for you to protect yourself without completely Mm -hmm. cutting them off too
2: there is but also you have to take the accountability to say i'm making a choice to do this right for my personal reasons i am choosing to have this conversation and to do this and that kind of accountability is very empowering and i'm not saying you shouldn't talk to those people I'm just saying that if you do, acknowledge it as a choice. And yes, you can have certain um, visualizations that you can do to shield yourself. If you're feeling your energy draining out from it, you can actually tell them, wow, I have really got to get this done. I just, I would love to sit here and talk to you. I just can't. Oh my gosh, how they keep me hopping. You know, you can make some kind of excuse so that that doesn't happen. But I mean, it happens to me here. I have an office at my shop where I do my healing. It's where I'm sitting and talking to you right now. It's it's burned into the door, private And then it says consultations underneath it. There's nothing there that says, why don't you bring your raggedy ass on in here and talk to me for a while? I mean, it's right there on the door, (laughs) private consultations. I'm sitting here working like crazy, typing away. People will still walk in. Do you have a minute to talk and start pulling out a chair right in front of me? And so you have, wait, wait, no, don't, don't you pull that chair out? No, (laughs) no. So that's when you get turned into the jerk because, because you happen to have work that you've got to do and you're not just sitting and visiting.
1: Right. (laughs) So something you bring up in the book is there's a difference between hexes and curses and crossings. So I Mm -hmm. wanted you to first, uh, you know, kind of tell us what a crossing is and then what's the difference between that and the hexes and curses.
2: Sure. Well, all of that falls under that umbrella of psychic attack, psychic attack being, like I said, when somebody else's energy intrudes on yours and uh, creates a negative outcome or some quality of life is affected. So we got levels here. So when we're looking at a crossing, that's really your lowest level. And it can encompass a lot of different things. So that road rage that I mentioned earlier, where you're yelling at somebody on the road, you don't even know who they are or what their situation is, you're sending this whole burst of negative energy toward this person that could result in a crossing, because it's something that's From a proximity to negativity, basically. So if you've got a child that's raised in a very negative home where parents are screaming and yelling, they're going to have constant crossings going on because they're exposed to that high level of negativity. If you've even got a roommate who's really negative and just Eeyore, just, well, we're all probably going to die and just very negative all the time and you're around that all the time, you will start to watch your energy dwindle when you're with them. And that's another form of crossing that can happen. A hex is a little, it's more personal. So it is you, yes, that's correct, you. I want you to have a negative outcome. And so I'm gonna move energy in the direction that will purposely give you a negative jolt of energy. So it's very personal, but it's usually short-lived and it can have some pretty strong effects, but it's going to eventually bleed itself out. Curses have some distance to them. Curses are an act of ceremonial magic that are very specific, very directed. Some of the most hardcore ones are actually in the Bible, in Psalms. We think of Psalms as just being David giving glory to God, but there's some hardcore curses in there too. But it's a well-thought-out systematic attack that is uh, actually diagramming specific things you want to happen to that person for how long, how far does it extend into their family. So it's, it's a little bit more hardcore when we're looking at a curse.
0: Okay. And curses, I mean, they... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like curses can sometimes be placed on somebody accidentally, uh, just with the simple thought. Maybe here's a, this like my reasoning. This is a very way out there reasoning. And there's there's <laughs> several, but this one specifically, uh, like so. For example, uh, there's this one kid in school back back when we were younger, my sisters and I, uh, he always picked out my youngest sister, like all the time, and she put out a bit of Bad energy because she was upset and she said, I hope you get hit by a bus. The very next morning on his way to school, riding his bike, he got hit by a bus, ended up in the hospital. Now, is there something like that? Is that semi-common where people can accidentally put out a curse because it's a thought and a powerful thought is that?
2: I'm just thinking maybe he didn't mess with her again. No, no. <laughs> I kind of want to meet your sister now. <laughs> no, that does happen. you know it's random, it's rare, but uh, that very specific thing, yeah, I mean that that could definitely do it if she had enough energy behind it she was she was real clear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh about some poor little child getting hit by a bus, but that's pretty damn funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and the funny, even more funny thing about it is, is doing this show for as long as we have. Um, I, I've kind of come to the understanding that our family, because uh, Eric and I are cousins, um, have a very uh, strong psychic ability, even if we don't know it. Um, mm-hmm. So, intentionally or unintentionally she had more ability than she thought and it it struck out regardless of her intention
2: and and i think that's just real likely you know there's different frequencies we tune into to move energy and some people just have a dial on a certain band of energy and and she just uh yeah she should probably in in the future, moving forward, use her words carefully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ellie is one that usually doesn't most of the time. So, yeah. <laughs>
2: That's like when, when I have six kids and when uh, my oldest son, Joe, was little, we had just got, this is how old my kid is. You know, he's 42. We had just gotten a TV that had a remote control and he had never seen such a beast in his life. So rather than say, look, this is a remote control, we can do this and this. We convinced him he could point his finger at the TV and go ping and it would come on. <laughs> and and he was, this kid was on top of the world for the longest time till we lost the remote. <laughs> but, he was a happy boy, but when you, when you have a child or a person that, that suddenly has this moment of, well, maybe I can fly, or maybe I am a wizard. It's a pretty exciting thing for him. So I yeah, I'd be curious to see how that rolled out in, in little Ellie there.
1: <laughs> just, just a disclaimer, folks, she's not telling you to go jump off of a building because you think you can fly.
2: Well, you can speak for yourself there, Justin. <laughs> I know you got certain obligations for coverage there. <laughs> no, no, I I don't. Uh, I, I've yet to see anyone who can fly, but uh, I also haven't yet personally met anyone who caused a little kid to get run over by a bus. So <laughs> I'm open. <laughs> <laughs> But no, uh, to address what you said, Eric, those sorts of things can happen. And I do believe they're fairly random, but I also believe what the two of you were saying that there are some family lines that are just stronger and more practiced by nature into getting into the flow of magic. It just, it's the way it is. And and we have that all the time with people. There's some people that are more given to energy work and some people that just don't have it. And you could say the same thing about music or uh, drawing or whatever it might be you know just different families have different talents that run through them
0: right
1: okay so for those that read the book um it, you really do spell it out and i like that that you gave different um things people can do um the one thing that i i was Looking through um, is you know preparing the healing area and, and just having having this um, certain spot for yourself to to help yourself heal and everything. Um, is there anything that specifically because I want people to actually read the book too um, to start out? How how can people prepare a certain spot to to do this for themselves?
2: Well, the first thing you got to do is clean it up, and people don't always like to hear that but when you're in a a place that is going to be used for energy work you don't want to have a lot of clutter around it because every now I'm I'm a great collector and about three months ago my house burned down and 17 years of memorabilia just went away and I thought I was gonna not be able to breathe because we had our house was like a witchy museum we had so much stuff there But, you know, when you're in a place where you have a lot of things around you, you tend to subconsciously register everything that's around you. It's a a safety mechanism for it so we can find the exits, so we can take care of ourselves, so we know where all the possible weapons are. It's a primal instinct to categorize everything around you. And when your brain is having to do that with hundreds of items, it's that much energy you don't have available to put toward healing so the first thing you do is clear it out now that doesn't mean you're in an austere room but you shouldn't have piles of magazines and extraneous things around that's going to catch the eye and take up your your energy that's categorizing the next thing you want to do is look at what is your spirituality what is your connection to the divine what makes you feel empowered and have things around you that represent those things you might want pieces of nature like a plant or stones or seashells or uh, fresh flowers or something like that it should be a very special and sacred place and from there we start looking at the different tools like What incenses do you like, if any? What kind of uh, colors do we want around you? And uh, just make it your own. Make it what feels good to you.
1: Okay.
0: So now, let's jump back a little and talk about, you you mentioned witch wars in this book. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I didn't even know existed. (laughs) Uh, So this was an interesting topic. Uh, and so now the idea of a witch war is when you state two witches or two covens basically have some sort of skirmish mm-hmm. and begin attacking each other uh, with magic. Now, there, I guess some covens were very territorial back then. How would some of these witches even come they come across each other and decide oh hey let's start a war (laughs) and start casting magic
2: well it's not usually put in that kind of terminology Mm -hmm. you know witches are people and the thing is that people by and large are gossipy interfering sorts of creatures and and witches are no different with that and so what tends to happen with witch wars is that You'll get a group of people and they'll think somebody said something about them in some way or disparage them in some way. And then it's just game on, you know, well, we're going to teach them what we're about and they'll all get together and bubble, bubble, toil and trouble some energy towards somebody's way. And then it turns into this ping pong game of flying energy back and forth. The only real difference in witch wars and neighborhood gossips where people are, you know, creating malice over the back fence is that when you're dealing with witches, they've got usually a good bit of energy to fling around and they're pretty adept to doing it. And, you know, I see it all the time. I, I've been in the Pagan communities, like I said before, for more than 40 years. And I've watched the evolutions. It's not as bad as it used to be. Now it's mostly down to just mundane squabbles. But there was a time when we had what was called Covensteads, and that was that you didn't go outside of a certain radius, it was like turf. And, um, you know you didn't like come into somebody else's covenstead and start a group or anything they're not as bad about that as they used to be but yeah witch wars were definitely a thing and now it's more like did you hear what that bitch said here we go and you know everybody's (laughs) off and running so (laughs) (laughs) and then it'll it'll polarize into well you are you on their side are you on our side and people are going to we mentioned it's a holiday week People are gonna step into Thanksgiving tomorrow and do exactly the same thing. I'm just waiting for the fallout for the weekend because did you see what she was wearing? And she said this about me, and he <laughs> dared to bring that woman that you know <laughs> here it'll go. So it's just it's just people things with bigger weapons.
1: Okay. Okay. So yeah. I feel there needs to be a TV show called Witch Wars. And <laughs>
2: Well, the problem is that then they'd be drumming them up for a fact if we've got enough of them going on already. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I like, you know, I here's the big thing, though, and this is where it gets really sad, is that, um, I, there's lots of people don't like me. I'm, I'm the first one to admit that. And a lot of times people get really uncomfortable when somebody has some degree of success or has published a book or has a group or has a, a store or something like that. And then all of a sudden they become the target people. We like to believe that they want to see people succeed and, and a lot of people don't. And so that's, you know, I've, I've definitely caught, uh, my share of the witch war, um, shrapnel myself
3: <laughs> and I'm sure there's lots like- of people
2: just say no you, you're just a bitch that's why we do that <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't care you wrote a book we just don't like you
1: <laughs> so it, it back in the day it almost felt like it was kind of like a, a gang you had different yeah. parts, or different gangs yeah <laughs> Yeah,
2: it was pretty sweet, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just boring. And you know what changed that was the internet. Because um, back then, everything was very quiet. It was on the down low. The only time that you really um, met with any other groups was if you had a pagan pride event, or we would have little index cards up at the local metaphysical store. Hey, if you want to join a group, go here. And so people didn't... connect with each other in huge numbers like they do now. And now because of the internet, it's not as woo-woo and secret and and intense that, oh, I'm a witch. You know, there was a time you just didn't say that out loud. And that was during my lifetime. But right. now it's become much more socially acceptable. And so we don't really have as much um, stigma attached to it. And when you are a group that has, stigma attached to you you tend to take it very personally and uh glump together and and that's kind of backed off a little bit lately in the last 10 20 years
3: Hmm.
0: it's really interesting how like how the internet has changed so many people's views and opinions on witchcraft like just in the last 14 years of justin and i doing the podcasts uh we've had multiple uh there's been a great change in how people view witchcraft uh you know when we first started it was always kind of this oh witchcraft can be evil and nobody wants to you know really talk about it or think about it this that and as we talked to more and more people and as the years came and went we started realizing that there were more people interested in getting into witchcraft and studying it maybe not on like a you know, full-time basis, but, you know, they dabble and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. And I don't know if it's because, you know, the internet itself or shows like ours, or if it's um, like the newer, younger generations are just so curious and want to learn more about, you know, what this world has to offer and the various faiths and beliefs in it. Uh, it's really quite interesting.
2: It really is. And, you know, it all goes in waves For the longest time, Wicca was the face of witchcraft, and that was a very Mm -hmm. carefully manufactured and uh, intended outcome. When uh, Wicca came onto the forefront, the whole plan was we're going to homogenize witchcraft and make it something that's not scary, make it right. something that people are accepting of. And so that's what Wicca was doing. And all the rest of the witches were saying, well, we kind of like being scary, man. We look <laughs> back off. Well, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so there, that kind of started witch wars there. In fact, mm-hmm. Gerald Gardner, the creator of Wicca, was really uh, maligned by most of the witches who were not Wiccans, following his path because they were saying, "Hey, we're secret for a reason. You gotta, you gotta knock this off, man. You can't be out and all of our stuff here." And then as time went on, uh, it became really the the face of witchcraft, and so people thought that all witches observed the Sabbaths. They thought that all witches followed threefold law and as it harms none and all of the Wiccan tenants because Wicca had fantastic marketing. Mm-hmm. And so we had this long run where people overall were doing okay financially. And it's during those times of, of ease and comfort, relative ease and comfort and stability that we really start to get into the ceremonial practices like Wicca. But you watch and you can see it If uh, you can track it in the last 20 years. As the economy goes into decline, that's when hoodoo comes up. That's when hands-on witchcraft comes up because they're like, hey, I really love honoring the god and the goddess and the the seasons of the year, but I got to get my electric bill paid. How can I do that? And that's when all of those old hands-on recipes start to get really popular. So it's a societal thing as far as the interest that you were talking about. And we're going to start to, because eventually we're going to have an easing off of the economical downturn that that we've got right now. And when that happens, you watch ceremonial magic will come back into play again.
0: Okay.
1: So Wicca kind of became the organized religion of witchcraft.
2: All of a sudden we had dogma, which was, it was so uh, intentionally devoid of that. It was very personal. It, in fact, in my practice, in my craft, the only ethical guideline is is this justified or is this not justified? Meaning the spell work you're about to do. And each person makes that decision. And what that does, as far as for lack of a better term, karma or uh, karmic backlash is you are working within your own integrity and that's what you're asked to do. Whereas with Wicca, there was very suddenly, um relatively speaking, this book of shadows that Gerald Gardner had worked from, and it had all of these specific rules, as you know, the rule of three, a threefold law, and also that you harm none, which is impossible. Now, it sounds like I'm just crapping on Wicca. I love Wicca. I teach Wicca. I was Wiccan for many years. Wicca is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But it's not without its flaws because it teaches its people to follow a goal that is unachievable. We will always harm others, even when we're trying hard not to.
0: I think sometimes the harder you try not to harm others, you just (laughs) blatantly do it. I know I do. And I don't mean to, I, I, you know, just in the last couple of weeks I've said things or did something and I see someone's reaction and I'm like, I I didn't, that's not how I meant it. But that's, you know, especially with texting these days, Mm -hmm. everyone wants to talk via text. I hate, especially when it's like an important discussion
3: Mm -hmm. and I'm like, can
0: we, can we get together and talk about it? I'd prefer texting. And then they take everything out of context. I'm like, Oh,
2: I'm I'm the exact opposite. If it's a heavy duty conversation, I want that mm-hmm. stuff in writing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't tell you, tell you how many times yeah. somebody
2: said, oh, I didn't say that. Literally scroll up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that the only thing that I do really like about texting is when uh, I'm asked a question or somebody says something, I have a moment to actually think about my response as opposed to being put right on, on the spot and then mm-hmm. saying the wrong thing, you know?
2: Well, and also when our expressions can be read, they're often misread.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: what you're trying to think of is how can I put this in a way that's not going to be hurtful? Mm-hmm. And the other person sees the pause and says, aha, you know, and, right. and starts to read more into it. So I think what we can all just agree on is communication is hard and effective communication is hard harder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And really it's just about compassion and connectedness. And with the work that I do, I see every day, the way that people harm each other intentionally and unintentionally. And I also see how people put themselves in harm's way. A lot of times I'm cleaning somebody up who has been under heavy psychic attack and sending them right back home to live with their abuser again. And They're not going to do anything to change it. I just keep cleaning them up. It's like my my cousin says things like, I don't know why all the men I date are alcoholics. I don't know what to do. Is it something about me? I'm like, yeah, you pick them up in bars. You're not going to the we're library, you know, no, and picking up men, pick them up there. Maybe all your men will be readers.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> People miss the obvious and and they don't see. I used to, this book, Llewellyn changed the title on me because they didn't like my title. My the original title was Uncrossing, the Art of Unscrewing Your Life, because <laughs> it's all the ways that we screw ourselves up. And and make decisions that create outcomes we don't like, and then we want to blame it on other people.
1: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned if if it's justified or unjustified, if you're you're doing a, a spell or whatever, just just to to clarify, like for an example, like Eric's sister, who of course she was being bullied. My personal opinion would say yes it would have been justified for him maybe not to be hit by a bus but, mm-hmm. but something to to scare him enough where he wouldn't mess with her anymore and and you mentioned it's up to that each person if if it's justified or not justified so it, like that example of physical harm like how would we say that's justified for somebody to be harmed physically compared to you know they they got harsh words from a co-worker because you were doing that mm-hmm. instead
2: well we usually don't go to that extreme of inflicting physical harm on somebody how old was she when that happened by the way eric
0: okay she was probably around 13
2: okay so, 13. so When you're 13 and you're in that moment, she probably in that moment, and I'm not saying when it happened, I'm sure she felt terrible and had a lot of conflicting emotions about it, one of them possibly being glee. But in that moment, when it happened, when she said that, I'll bet she absolutely would have been thrilled to know he was going to get hit by a bus. And it probably felt justified to her because she had taken and taken and taken. And sometimes that's where we get to be. Now we're not always 13 with these emotions. We're not, you know, when we're adults, we can presumably see different outcomes from the things that we could say and predict some of those outcomes. I, Mm -hmm. I do not do work that intentionally causes harm to another person as far as specifying the harm, I will do work where it gives the judiciary judiciary process of that up to a higher power and say, I don't care what you do with them, they need to leave the situation. Okay. And so there are people that would justify harm if harm is being inflicted on another person. So Just, I I am not in this situation, so please don't call 911 or anything, but let's (laughs) say that um, I have a sister that I know for a fact her partner is beating her on the regular and she will not leave for whatever reason, she will not leave and that might be a justifiable case for that guy to get hit by a bus or to have some kind of cataclysmic outcome that keeps him from harming that person. Uh, there have been times that witches have gotten together and worked because there's a serial rapist in the area or because there's somebody who's committing murders and they don't know who it is. You know, there are lots of Im- impacting like uh, community impacting situations where this, this person is genuinely doing more harm being alive than what we would be doing to that person. So it's, you know, but those are extreme measures. None of those are in play right now. It's just that there are cases where I think any person can be driven to a place that they believe another person deserves harm. And people say they won't ever get there and then they end up on my doorstep and I have to talk them off the ledge finding other alternatives that might be more reasonable. You know, everybody that I come across is doing the ugly cry and saying, I want you to kill him. He hurt me so bad. He married an ugly woman instead of me. And, (laughs) and so then you got to kind of like, well, let's think this through a little bit. (laughs) What do we really want our outcome to be here? And that's really what I do is I have them. I, I spend a lot of time talking and deciding what, what outcome do you want from this? And what's the easiest way we can get there? Because I got to tell you, working on other people, you can do it, but it's a lost cause. It takes a huge amount of energy, dedicated energy. And if I can just work on the client themselves, I can get them so much further.
1: Okay. All right. Well, and that that's kind of my point with that question is because obviously, of course, we all feel that somebody who kills somebody else intentionally, um, if there is physical abuse going on, mental abuse going on, um, maybe in the mental abuse situation, it doesn't necessarily justify that person being physically harmed. But, um, I, I was kind of curious how often that might come about. So that, that's kind of why I was asking that
2: question. It does come up and people bring it up more often than we end up going in that direction for outcome. Usually I can get them to a place where I I can have them come up with better alternatives for ways that they can have a better life and pull the attention back to them instead of something external. And when I can do that, that's always my, my favorite approach is to, to hey let's work on you let's let's burn a soulmate candle and then if if he's the one he's gonna come he's gonna answer that candle if he's not you'll get somebody that actually does want to be with you and and so there's yeah that love is one of the biggest things i work on as far as people wanting revenge where i can pull them in a different direction
1: fair enough all right, Katrina. Well, it is about that time to let you go. So I wanted to give the mic to you so you can tell everybody where they can find you, find all of your books. The mic is all yours.
2: Oh, thank you. Uh, I did the books you can find on amazon.com. And honestly, just research my name on Amazon, Katrina Rasbold. You'll find my author page. All my books will come up. The ones I've published with Llewellyn, the other ones that I've published as well. There's a total of, you'll find all kinds of stuff there. Uh, over probably close to 40 books some of them are on weird topics like general hospital or on um spiritual childbirth and all sorts of things like that there's i also do a fictional series called the daughters of avalon we're on book six of eight that's going to be coming out but most of the the bay left, Excuse me. The best way to contact me is just through the store CrossroadsOccult.com. My husband and I run a metaphysical store in Shingle Springs, California, and that's my full-time job and my side hustle and what I do all the time. So CrossroadsOccult.com is the best spot.
1: Awesome. Katrina Resbold, thank you for being on Paratruth Radio.
2: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate talking to you guys.
1: All right, folks, that was Katrina Rasbold, author of Uncrossing, Identify, Cleanse, and Heal from Hexes, Curses, and Psychic Attacks. So we are going to take a quick break, listen to Eric's Random Fact of the Day, a quick commercial, and we will be right back with Paratrooth Radio.
0: Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Did you know that the human tonsils can bounce higher than a rubber ball of similar weight and size? It's true, but only for the first 30 minutes after they have been removed.
3: This Eric's the Day.
0: Coming up on 5-Minute News... What's up everybody and welcome back to Paratooth Radio. As always, my name is Eric and I'm Justin. And you know what? I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving because yeah, this is airing afterwards. So, I hope everyone had a good time. I hope you guys didn't get in trouble with Black Friday. Didn't get run over by a bunch of crazy people uh who like to shop. I don't know. Have you ever gone shopping on on Black Friday?
1: Um once where it was during that, you know, major sale at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, um, any other time it's been after that particular madness is, is done. And we just go for some of the other sales that you're not really rushing to get done. Um, but that now that you bring that up, that's kind of a good point about this episode we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you know cursing at that person that uh uh grabbed the 20 inch flat or i should say 60 inch we're we're getting way large in our tvs now yeah. uh that oh, you really shit. wanted
0: i know i'm guilty of it too like saying things to people not to them but in my mind or like under my breath especially when i'm working and they're like cut me off or like i'm trying to do a job like i stock wine and as i'm stocking people will slowly inch closer and closer and closer until they push me out of the way and go to where I'm working. And I'm just like, this son of a, you know, <laughs> but it's just so frustrating. But anyway, yeah. So that was uh, Katrina Rasbold that we just had on. She is the author of on crossing and it is a really cool book. You guys should check it out. If you're interested in witchcraft curses and the like, and you know, she goes about, and, you know, the various ways to protect yourself and how to, uh, well, really, on cross uh, yourself uh, from from these various psychic attacks that people tend to put on us, accidentally most of the time. Um, you know, it, it, and that's something that I think you and I have talked about a lot over the years is the idea of psychic attack or negative energy. Um, psychic vampires, obviously, have been brought up multiple times over the last several years. Uh, right and we've even talked about protecting ourselves now we do it in a way of crystals. Usually, you know, I wear my black obsidian. Uh, You have your own crystals that you keep on you or keep around your desk. Uh, But there are other ways which we learned tonight, which, you know, we, we, I think the most that we've ever talked about was shielding yourself in white light, Uh, you know, the purifying light that can help snuff out that darker energy Uh, and keeping that in mind, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to think about. Um, but because I think th- the question is from a scientific standpoint, can we, being somebody, any of us uh, who think about shielding ourselves, do we really shield ourselves? Or are we just closing off our minds to the energ- energies that are being presented to us? You know, because I, I, there's a lot of debate. Even in the paranormal community, that you can build or diminish your aura uh, based on where your mental capabilities are. You know, there are people who claim they can, yeah, build their aura or build this new shield through the using the mind. But it's it's there's really just no scientific proof that you can literally, you know, do that. So I guess the question is like what do you, I mean what do you think do you think this is more of like us just shutting off our minds to the possibility of being attacked by these these energies or is there actually something to it in terms of building a literal shield that would bounce this energy off or absorb it
1: um well I think this particular question is a catch 22 mm-hmm. because scientifically we can't prove it that whether we are um, creating the these barriers um, or are we, like you're saying, are we psychologically creating the barrier to not pay attention to these things? So in and of itself, you're protecting yourself by doing the psychological protection over whatever you would call it, spiritual, uh, uh, psychic, magic protection so truthfully i, I don't I, I don't know that there is a, a real right or wrong answer for that um i both sides i'm sure would tell me you're full of crap and you're just walking the the fence here on that and i'm not intentionally doing that because if you're doing it in either way you're still protecting yourself so why right. is it you have to say one over the other is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. True. What do you think on that? What I just said.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I agree, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that we've always talked about, even without the podcast, like on our investigations and things, you know, we would always say a prayer or ask for Michael, uh, the archangel Mm -hmm. to protect us or we use salt, you know, put the salt around the car so that spirits can't, uh, follow us home and stuff like that. Um, you know. And I think, I mean, it's hard to say, but, I, but yeah, I think it, it depends on one's faith and what you truly believe. Because if you are spiritual and you believe that angels are going to, to surround you or that you have this inner light uh, from the spirit uh, that resides within you. And you believe that you can manage that light to expand or, decrease based on your own ability to think such uh you know yeah i mean sure it could be possible um but then for those of us who maybe don't believe that kind of thing then it's like well what do what do we really use to protect ourselves you know uh and it's hard to say so you know i've always been or not always but for a long time i've believed that if we believe that white light or the angels concerning us, or whatever, um, then it is exactly as it is. What you, whatever it is you think is true, is true. Um, so long as you don't waver in it, you know,
1: right? Well, it, I mean. We've talked about how how we both came to faith and everything, and y- mm-hmm. you for a very long time have relied on your faith to protect yourself. And in it, that, in and of itself, again, regardless of if you think of it as a psychological thing or uh, you think of it as a metaphysical thing, where you're you're believing in God and Jesus Christ, and uh, angels are protecting you. Who's to say that um, either side is right or wrong? Because to you that is protecting you so psychologically it's protecting you and metaphysically is protecting you because that's what you believe i mean i right. know there will be people on either side that say no you're wrong this is the way it is this is the way it is and to each your own opinion i i will not say you're you're wrong because i am open to hearing that um but there is no tangible way to determine what we are doing to protect ourselves is right or wrong. So, and with that being said, um, we're actually going to be doing an investigation here for a friend. Um, she bought a house for her business and she wanted to do an investigation. I'm like, sure. And I've got a, partner who will help me go through the evidence at least part of it because I don't expect him to do all of it since he wasn't a part of the investigation <laughs> but he usually helps me anyways but um, and I had told them you know we would love to bring you on to talk about the evidence if we catch anything and I, I kind of have a feeling we will I'm hoping so anyways so uh, a friend who wants to be a part of the investigation asked me well, is there anything you suggest to protect myself? I do this and this usually, and I, I said to her, whatever you do to protect yourself, you do that. I will guide us through kind of a simple one that um, I believe will protect us, but there there are people that are going to be a part of the investigation that have never been a part of an investigation before ever. Um, I, I don't know what their personal beliefs are as far as the spiritual con- is concerned other than they think it's really cool that there's a spirit in their house. So, um, I, I'm kind of glad we did this episode because it kind of justifies for me that I'm giving her the right advice. Right. So, um, something I wanted to ask you: Have you heard anything more from your friend about the his, his project that he's working on for the the Nephilim?
0: Uh, I got a text the other day that said, "I'm sorry, I've been busy, but I'm working on it." So he 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't. We were supposed to have a phone call, and yeah, just unfortunately we're, we're both busy, you know, and neither of us like talking in the morning, so it has to be after one p.m. But after one p.m. we're busy, <laughs> so uh, just how it works out. But yeah, he you know he, he still plans on giving us a, a a small trailer, which we're going to be releasing probably in our mid-roll or something, um, mm-hmm. so that you guys can hear a little more about that. And then we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll get that, and then I'll talk to him some more and see if he would like to even join us at some point and talk yeah, a little bit about sure. this, because it's really cool. It's about the Nephilim, and we have not done a lot of discussion on the Nephilim uh. And I think it'd be a really cool concept to, to, to just talk about.
1: Well, and and my point with that question was, I, I was just making sure he is still moving forward with the project. Cause I, I personally think it's a, a very awesome project. So right. um, it, there yeah, are I mean, a lot of people that will drop a project because they're not getting the outcome that they're, they're going for so
0: sure sure know. sure and yeah you know i don't i mean i hope he doesn't of course right. uh, i i've talked to him about that and uh i'm hoping he sticks to it like i, I said a couple weeks ago he had around i haven't checked in a couple weeks but at the time he had seventy five thousand dollars already raised just for the production itself so with that kind of money hopefully at the very least you can get an, like a, a decent project out Um right So you know, and at the time he wasn't sure if he's going to keep it up or put it down or whatever in terms of the the uh, the funding page. Mm. So I mean, but we'll see. I'll let you know as soon as I hear something.
1: Sounds good. All right, folks, that's pretty much all we got this week. Um, As Eric said, I hope you guys had a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. Um, I hope you got to the appropriate amount of being stuffed for the evening, and you didn't overdo it with alcohol, food, or otherwise. Um, We've got one month until Christmas, which is kind of crazy. But uh, we've got a couple of things lined up for you. We're going to be by ourselves next week. We haven't decided on a specific topic yet, so we will let you guys uh, know that on our socials. Um, we have fellow podcasters coming on with us after that and then those two weeks and we're right into uh, Christmas and New Year's episodes because of where they fall. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I think for Christmas we're just kind of gonna do down the rabbit hole and same for New Year's just talk about some stuff that uh, we've maybe talked about in the past or or uh, if we find anything, that tickles our brains a little bit as when it comes to Christmas or new years. Um, Cause we've covered so much for Christmas sure, sure. time.
0: Well, you know, and one thing we could always do since really, you know, the next episode kicks off our Christmas series or season as we would normally do. Uh, maybe we just take a trip down the rabbit hole for that one, you know, ring sure. in the Christ- Christmas time and just, just have fun with it
1: maybe do a part one and part two for down the sure. rabbit hole with Christmas. Um, sure. Cause for those of you that have not listened to all of our episodes yet, uh, we've talked about cryptids that are associated with, with, uh, Christmas time. Um, the, uh, tradition of, of telling ghost stories during Christmas time. There's been so much. So I think, yeah, just recapping a little bit and, and talking about pretty much whatever is going to be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And of course, if you guys have any thoughts or anything you want to hear or rehear, uh, let us know, uh, we'd be happy to talk about well, pretty much anything. So let's keep it PG though. Huh? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, until next week where you will find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. S-
0: I'm sorry. I, I haven't cut you off at an outro for a while, but one thing that we need to mention here, there is a picture of a bunny
1: on our oh, Facebook right. page. That was on my agenda and I forgot about it.
0: It threw that agenda right out the window.
1: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if you guys haven't seen it yet on our Facebook page, we will repost it again, reshare it. Um, but there is a image of a bunny. He's our new mascot. He's really cool. He's kind of crazy, but he doesn't have a name and we need a name. And that's where you guys come in. We are asking all of our listeners to please click the little link or if you absolutely must, although we prefer you to click the link, uh, just put the name in the comments uh, and you can possibly win a T-shirt or a mug with the image of this bunny. Um, This bunny, again, is our mascot. We, We went back and forth with what our mascot could be. Uh, for a while, we had a little hellhound known as Herc, and um, I just didn't feel like it fit the show quite the way it should, because we don't talk about hellhounds that often, but we do talk about rabbit holes and
1: rabbit, rabbit trailing and, and yeah, right. all
0: that stuff. So we thought, <laughs> hey, what a perfect mascot for us. Um, so go ahead, check out the, the image, give us a name, your best name for this particular bunny. And if we like it, we'll select it and you will get a prize.
1: Speaking of, we did have two new, I, I, I listed it off for you guys last time, all the names we had gotten before we had recorded. So we got two new ones since then. Uh, Frisky. And okay. Rabidicus. Rabidicus. Very Greek sounding.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it'd be perfect for like a frog mascot.
1: But, uh, we've got a bunch of cool ones and, um, Eric and I will definitely be going through these extensively, uh, to, to choose a name. And who knows, we may not go with any of the names that are suggested. We may go with one that we came up with instead, but we are really relying on you guys because they all have been great names so far. And we look forward to to um, hearing what else everybody has to suggest. And um, on that note, we are cutting off um, any other suggestions by Tuesday, November 30th, because we will be announcing the winner if we have one uh, on our December 5th episode, which we will be recording next week uh, on December 1st. So you have until the 30th, 11 59 PM to get your vote in on what bunny paratruth bunny. What? I don't even know what to, I want to call him something. <laughs> he doesn't even <laughs> have a name yet, <laughs> um, but uh, get, get your vote in by, November 30th by 1159 because that is the cutoff time. Um, looking forward to your guys' votes. I'll, of course, have the link in the show notes again for this episode. Uh, and as Eric said, we'll be also be announcing it on our uh, social medias. Um, on Instagram, I always tell you guys just to go to our website. We do have a uh, tab just for this contest so you guys can just click the link there as well um, but until next week unless you're going to cut me off again
0: not this time
1: <laughs> until next week folks where you will find us same time same channel my name is Justin
0: and I'm Eric peace this is